Hello and welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast. Hope everyone is having a great week. Hope everybody had a terrific holiday weekend as we get ready for another weekend. I got to tell you, I'm super excited about the UFC 251 card, the first UFC card at Fight Island on Saturday. This card is exceptional. The main card is fantastic. The prelims, fantastic. Like from start to finish, I am going to be geeked in front of my television watching this pay-per-view. So if you're a big UFC fan, I probably don't have to sell this to you. You understand how big this card is. If you're a fringe UFC fan or maybe you only want to pay attention to the big fights, there are multiple big fights, three title fights, three belts up for grabs on Saturday night. So UFC 251, the first card at Fight Island on Saturday night. I can't wait for that. We're also inching closer and closer to the start of both MLB and the NBA seeing the images of NBA players arriving in Orlando at the bubble, Uh, Chris Paul and Steven Adams arriving in Orlando, getting ready to start their their journey through the process of getting ready for the eight-game NBA regular season to wrap things up before the playoffs. So that's going to be a ton of fun. Major League Baseball, they've kind of launched, if you will, in terms of getting ready for the start of their season. And uh, our guest today is going to be John Radigan, who covers both the Texas Rangers and the Oklahoma City Thunder for Fox Sports Southwest. We will figure out what they have planned for John as both of these things get ready to come back around the same time. I think they're like a week apart. I'm just excited to get sports back, and particularly two of the mainstream sports in this country with Major League Baseball and the NBA coming back. Like I said, the UFC has been exceptional throughout this time where we've not had a lot to keep us entertained. Dana White's done it. They've pulled it off, and every time they've put out a product, it's been spectacular. So, by the way, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at Colby underscore Daniels, you can follow me on Instagram, Colby.Daniels. And for those of you that listen to both podcasts, the Colby Daniels podcast and the Shots You Take podcast, just letting you know real quick that tomorrow, so this is Thursday, July 9th, that we are recording this, Tomorrow on Friday at 5 o'clock, John Moss and I are going to have a live happy hour Shots You Take podcast episode. So if you're not doing anything tomorrow afternoon around 5 o'clock, I will tweet out the link at Colby underscore Daniels. Come hang out with us, have a few drinks, have a few beers, whatever your choice of beverage is. Yeah, just hang out, have fun. When we all kind of went into quarantine mode and the weather was kind of shitty, happy hour Fridays were spectacular as as things have you know as the numbers started to drop and people felt a little more comfortable getting out and the weather got nicer we were just getting less and less on the live happy hours so we so we kind of slowed down on those but um, we haven't done one in a while so shot you take podcast live happy hour tomorrow which is Friday at five o'clock I will tweet the link at Colby underscore Daniels come hang out and as always, if you've been in it, in if you've in, if you have participated in the happy hours, I love the interaction. So uh, you guys are welcome, and uh, can't wait to see you there. All right, today's guest, someone that I consider a friend, and someone that uh, I just really enjoy talking to, uh, not just about sports, but life in general. So 
Uh, I'm excited to talk to John Radigan from Fox Sports Southwest as, once again, the NBA and MLB seasons are right around the corner, barring any major setbacks. We are getting ready to launch both of those major sports. So uh, here we go. Today's guest, John Radigan. John, first of all, just a, a heads up, I have a three-year-old co-host today, so if on occasion you hear him in the background, he's just trying to contribute, and uh, we'll try to keep that to a minimum. How are you? I'm I'm sure he's more knowledgeable about half these things than you are anyway, Colby, so <laughs> well, that's that would totally uh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, I, so I put together a home studio for podcasting, and so one corner of the room has his little TV and DVD player, and he's currently eating dinosaur chicken nuggets and a blueberry Eggo waffle and uh, watching a Garfield movie. So I think he's set up for the next little bit. Yeah, that's brilliant. And um, that is so familiar because that's exactly what I eat. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, the, blue, the blueberry waffle and the dinosaur chicken nuggets man that's my uh, that's my go-to snack i'll tell you that <laughs> yeah he's he's uh eaten all the pop tarts that i think he can handle so it's uh his yeah, diet has not been necessarily the best recently that's the uh, that's the problem with dad days you know like he has with you you have the dad day and oh man of course the kid loves it uh but you're just like yeah here have another pop tart here have another blueberry waffle you know and then <laughs> Mom comes home and tries to get him to eat broccoli, and he's looking at her like, uh, what, are you crazy? You know what dad feeds me? And then you get in trouble. I yeah, get absolutely. It, man. I've been there. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and especially when I'm trying to podcast or, or do anything, for instance, I've got I've to give him something that's going to satisfy him so that I'm, I can also get things done while he's eating and not just yelling at me that he doesn't want green beans or whatever. Right, exactly. Yeah, this is uh, this is a win-win until Lauren gets home, and then it's <laughs> big time trouble. Yeah, big time trouble. Yeah. How have you been, man? What's been going on with you? Yeah, uh, it's just been so crazy, obviously for me, as it has for everyone, and uh, it just you know it just hurt really, um, just not to have sports. I mean, it's not just as you know for us, it's not just what we love, but it's also what we do, and. So to not have the opportunity to do that, um, you know, to have a thunder season, you know, just stop so abruptly uh, when we were just really getting excited. I mean, we were really starting to get excited about what this team was doing and could do, right? And boom, over. Sorry, you know. And obviously, you know, it's about to begin again, and, and I'll be very excited to watch, you know, as I say to watch, we won't be – um, involved, I won't be, the studio won't be involved in the restart of the Thunder games. Um, they don't want us, the games are going to be uh, played, obviously, in Orlando. Our crew is going to be at the arena in Oklahoma City. And they don't want us, since, you know, since I'm not local, they don't want me or Greg Buckner, neither of whom are local, to have to be in a hotel for as long as the Thunder might be playing um, in Oklahoma City. So they're just going to have uh, Chris Fisher and, and Michael Cage and Nick Gallo handle the broadcasting duties from uh, Oklahoma City. The cool part about that for me, Colby, is, man, I just get to be a fan, right, for a change. Which, right. Um, 
I can just watch the Thunder games and cheer like heck and, and not have to be, you know, sort of on call and objective and, you know, watching for this or that, man. I can just sit there and be a fan. So I'm looking forward to the restart of that one for sure. Would any part of you uh, – is is any part of you kind of like jealous of the people that get to go like be in the bubble and just kind of be in that NBA world because it's going to be game after game after game every day? Like it's kind of – if you're a fan of the NBA and you're covering that, I mean this is kind of your dream scenario, right? Yeah, you know, I, my first thought was, you know, like I was ready to raise my hand if they were talking about – and it looks like only the national broadcast crews of broad among broadcasters will be there but we didn't know that at first and i'm thinking man i think i'm just gonna haul off and raise my hand on this deal that'd be kind of fun and then um i saw the food have you seen the tweets of the food they're serving oh, in yeah. the bubble absolutely i'm awfully glad i'm, I'm glad as heck i'm not there you know? <laughs> i don't want any part of that <laughs> and and the, and the truth is we were just talking to rugnet odor of the rangers um you know as they get ready and go through their spring training and we just did a zoom interview with him and he was reminding me and we're not traveling with that team either our our uh, play-by-play and color announcer our field reporters like myself none of us are traveling uh with that team once they get started but he was reminding us that the major league baseball rules require that everybody in the travel party must stay in their room and eat only room service every day like so in all these cities you're not even allowed to go out and get a cup of coffee or to go out and you know get some lunch before you go to the ballpark and truly that would be like narthex to me to have to stay in the room when i'm not working you know at the ball would oh my gosh that would just kill me so unless you I'm, get one uh, of those I'm rooms very, that has the hot tub in it well heck of a point and they're in disney you know so maybe you get one of those suites overlooking the you know with the uh <laughs> the um bay right there by epcot or something and you'd be okay but uh I uh, I just I think I'd be bored out of my mind. I'm not a guy who uh, watches much other than sports on TV, and um, I'm not a guy who would like. Uh, Rookie was saying he's going to bring his PlayStation and he'll just play video games all day and night. Um, I don't do that, so I would just be bored to tears. Nothing quite hits like a 10:30 p.m. room service cheeseburger. Oh man, I will say that. Those aren't so bad, you know, after you've covered a game and, uh, and you know, you're feeling – a lot of times it's, it's a little even a little later than right where right. you're like, man, I hope I make it back to the hotel in time to get room service, you know, room service. And there you are at a, you know, 11.59, they deliver it. So here it is, 12.15 in the morning, and you're chowing down a cheeseburger and fries, you know, and good luck sleeping, by the way. Yeah, if 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 you had a lot of other sports to watch, I guess when you're back in the hotel room, maybe it wouldn't be too bad. And that's kind of been the weird thing about all of this, as you you kind of mentioned. You know, those of us that work in the sports world, not only are we working, but you add that kind of sports is is what we generally not only do professionally, but it's it's kind of what our lives are built around. I mean, I schedule trips around what the sports calendar looks like. Uh, my days are are built, you know, around what games are going to be on television at what time. And and part of that is is obviously work, but part of that is just because that's what I love to do. And so, you know, the work aspect has been affected, but then the amount of time that you spend with sports being wiped out just kind of, at least for me, leaves me with that Will Ferrell and Talladega night scene where he's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. 
Right. Yeah. I don't know what to do with my brain. <laughs> yeah. I tried to learn another language and, and I took uh, like three days of the, the courses online and I was just like, you know what? It's not sports. It's just, it's not, I can't, I can't do this every, every day. That, that, now that is a fantastic idea. I was just telling my wife about, you know, kind of reminding her, oh man, I'm glad I'm not traveling with the Rangers this year and told her what Rugi had said. And she's like, well, if you were doing that, this would be the time that you've got to write your novel. And I'm like, oh God, that sounds like work. I'm glad. Now I'm even more glad I'm not going. And I told, I've told her before, I believe I got a novel in me, right? I believe right. I do, but. Somehow, every time the idea of writing it comes up, I'm like, "Yeah, no, that seems like a lot of work. I, I think I'll just, uh, I think I'll just watch this game over here." You know. I feel like so many times throughout this period, I've had these great intentions of getting things done and and you know being very productive with my time, and more often than not, I end up just sitting on my ass and not not accomplishing anything that I had set out to do that day. Yeah, it's a tough one, too, because at the end of this whole thing, um, when, when things, and who knows how long it's going to be, but when things really do get back to normal and we'll be doing our normal busy day and then squeezing in these things that, you know, that sort of need to get done, and we'll be like, why the hell did I not do that when we didn't have work to go to every day or, you know, when we didn't have all of these other demands on our time? And I know I'm going to look back at, at that. Cause, and I'm about to, which I, I love, but I'm about to get busy. You know, they're going to play 60 games in 63 or 65 days, something like that. And um, I'm pretty sure I'll be on all or most of them for sure. And uh, so, you know, it's great. I mean, you know, I'm not complaining that I work every day because I haven't worked m- many days since March the 11th. Um, and, and so I'll be thrilled to get back at it and, uh, and I promise I, I will not I will not let myself complain about the schedule. Were you working that night that Oklahoma City played Utah? Ironically, I was not. I had done a um, – the Rangers had a spring training uh, game that day, and there was a – of course, that was in Surprise, Arizona, and um, we were broadcasting it on Fox, and there was a season ticket open house, season ticket holders open house at the new Globe Life Field. So they had me go over to Globe Life Field that day and um, and then, uh, you know, just do hits from there and say, hey, here's the new food. Hey, they got this brand new beer made specially for the play. You know, here's where Chuck Morgan sits. You know, I just did hits throughout our spring training game, kind of showcasing the beauty and the, you know, the newness and everything and the character of, of Globe Life Field. So then um, I, uh, I went that evening. I went and uh, my daughter had had a big doctor's appointment that day. So we went and grabbed dinner and she was going to give me a, a, you know, debrief on everything that happened at the doctor. And I'll be, my phone just starts blowing up, you know, like Rudy Gobert and this and that. And I'm like, what the hell am I missing here? You know? And so I, you know, turned on the channel and I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I heard that uh, he still can't smell or something like that. Yeah, I think that's one of the things you lose, and taste, for that matter. You lose the, you apparently you lose your taste buds somewhat. You know that you don't you don't taste things as well. Boy, that would I would hate that. I could probably use it after the amount of food I've eaten in the last few months. Boy, that that's a great point. <laughs> one of my favorite one of my favorite tweets uh, that I've seen ever since this whole thing started was so. 
how is it going to work at the end of shelter in place? Am I going to call 600 pound life or are they going to get in touch with me? You know, because we're just all sitting here hacking on the pound and we'll just, I'll need to go on that show and see if we can't lose some of this. But uh, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. And um, it's amazing though. The first month seemed like it took about, you know, somebody texted me, Hey, uh, you know, happy March 69th or whatever, you know, and I'm like, yeah, it does. It seems like this month has been so long. And somehow the other months, I don't know, I guess that, you know, we just adjust to these things, but the other months have not seemed to drip March. And we were only, you know, we were only, I was shut down from March 12th on. So it wasn't even the full month. March seemed like it lasted forever. And um, like I say, the others haven't been quite as bad, at least for me, but part of it is, you know, I have had some work to do. How many times have you driven your wife to the verge of insanity? Oh, there's just no telling. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty much every day, you know, and it's just a matter of how I did it this time, you know? So um, it's, it's crazy, but I will say um, that's a two way street, right? Because of those, you know, jobs that we were talking about that we'd like to get done, you know, she's always got a new one for me as well. Right. And I'm just like, I don't even know how to do that. Like in a million, I have no idea how the heck I'm supposed to accomplish whatever it was that, you know, you just asked me to, you know, paint the chandelier. I'm not kidding. That was one of them. Paint the chandelier. I, I have no idea. I didn't even think those words would come out of a human's mouth. So I haven't, I haven't painted the chandelier. You didn't, you didn't try to find a YouTube video on how to paint a chandelier. Boy, it's a heck of a point because I did, she did buy me. I, I, she bought me because we had some, uh, and you know, again, you couldn't even get, um, service people to come to the house. So, um, one thing that happened during the pandemic, we got a new, you know, we got a new uh, TV, a big, you know, one of the new big flat screens and stuff. So she wants it on the wall. So I'm like, well, well, it's like you're saying, you know, let me jump on YouTube and see what the heck they say as far as how to hang a flat screen TV on the wall. And, um, yeah, it looked really super complicated. <laughs> so I called Best Buy, you know, and Best Buy's like, yeah, no, we ain't coming to your house, dude. Sorry. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, so I just, um, didn't, we haven't, the TVs that hasn't been done. Another thing was happening we had um, a limb in a storm in probably late March, a limb way, way high on a tree snapped. Half of it fell. The other half of it is, it seems like it's just hanging by a thread. And we're sure that at any moment we're going to walk past that tree and it's going to fall on us or God forbid fall on a neighbor and we're going to get sued. Right? So I get every ladder I have and everything, try and get up there. Can't get anybody to come to the house and, and handle this for me. And, um, so she goes online and she finds me what they call a pocket chainsaw. Well, a pocket chainsaw is basically the chain that they put on a chainsaw and with a couple handles on it. And what you do, according to the, the YouTube video, is you tie a little weight to it uh, and rope and, and, you know, 100 feet of rope or whatever. You throw the weight over the vertex of where the limb is broken and then it comes all the way down. Now you've got 
the handles on both sides tied to rope. And with your hands, you just go back and forth, back and forth, back like you're milking a cow, and that cuts right through the tree limb. So makes sense. We get a pocket chainsaw from Amazon, and I tried it first on a couple of low limbs, right? And, you know, that I could reach and it would be real easy to do. Let me just see if this mechanism works. Well, I'll be darned. I whipped through two low limbs like you can't believe. And I'm like, honey, great idea. We got this. Took a while to throw it about 40 feet up, right? I'm throwing the damn thing, throwing it over and over again. Get that thing up there. Comes down the other side. And this time I have my son with me. Each of us have a side of it. And we're just going right through that limb like you can't believe. And then it's stuck. And it is stuck. And we're yanking on it. And we're pulling it other way. And we tried the ladder to get as high as we could. That damn thing's still in the tree, Colby. I don't know (laughs) how the heck we're going to get it down. Now, now we cut the rope. You know, we got as high as we could. We cut the rope. And the the pocket chainsaw is still in the tree. So, um, you know, these are the kind of things you're doing. Uh, so, so that's where where the insanity is a two way street, right? Here's a pocket chainsaw. Figure it out, dude. You know. So anyway, that one that one hit my heart a little bit because I, I don't know if you heard or not. I had an accident doing the same thing. Although your wife didn't say don't hurt yourself or you're gonna hurt yourself. She didn't give you the jinx before you attempted it, right? No, did yours? Oh boy. Yeah, same situation. Big branch has broken off the tree but it's it's uh still way up high and so i get the ladder and i have a pole saw that also is like i don't know 12 feet probably additionally that i can cut things down with yeah but this one looked like it was i could probably just yank it and it would it would come loose so i climb the top of the ladder and as i start climbing the ladder of course lauren says shouldn't we hire somebody to do this you're gonna hurt yourself so I didn't yeah. appreciate the lack of confidence out of the gate. No, and, I'll show you. And yeah. she she totally jinxed me. So I get to the top of the ladder, right. and I'm trying to maneuver myself in a way where I have a little bit of leverage to be able to yank on this branch. And as I grab another branch to kind of position myself, that one breaks. Oh, boy. And down I go about 10 to 12 feet. And oh, man. And I reach, as I get close to the ground... I reach with my left hand to just kind of break my fall and my left at the wrist, like it just all kind of buckled and all my weight came down on it. I, I didn't break it, but it was, oh, uh, wow. I, I haven't been able to use it for about uh, a month or so. Oh man. Yeah. That see, and that was my nightmare and, and it's my wife's ever present nightmare, right? Is that I'm going to go up there and I'm older than you. So she feels like if I fall down, you know, I'm going to break a hip and a, and a knee and my elbow. So, uh, it didn't stop me. Typically I'm usually, you know, all up and down. Right. Stuff. But that one, this one was so high. I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't even, I couldn't even reach it from the ladder. Um, the tallest ladder we have with my pole saw, I couldn't reach it. So I'm like, yeah, yeah. no, I don't, I gotta, so I got, I still gotta hire somebody to do that for we, you know, but again, now we're not going to, you know, this time of year, we don't get any weather around here, so it's all just, you know, sunny and hot. So it's not not like right when it happened, I was thinking, here comes the next storm, and it's going to fall. You know, no, it hadn't fallen. The worst part is not that I hurt myself, but it's that I have to walk by that fucker that's still up there every single day, and it's, like, taunting oh, me. Because it's like yours. It's still there. Yeah. 
Yeah, I know. Yeah, that does suck. That's no fun at all. <laughs> laughing at you. Every single day it is. Uh, so yeah. when, did, when did you get back to, to work with the Rangers? On July 3rd, I was like, it was as if it was the first day of school. And I, in fact, actually on July 2nd, I played golf with uh, my buddy Mike Bassick, you know, who does Rangers shows with us. And, you know, the guy who gave up uh, the, the famous home run to, to Barry Bonds. And uh, he lives here and, and played for the Rangers for a short, short time. And actually, his dad played for the Rangers, too. I, I played golf with both of them last the Thursday, I guess it was, the second. And um, and then on the third, uh, we went back to work, you know, because the Rangers started their, they're calling it summer camp or spring training 2.0. And it was funny because um, uh, Mike's dad was saying, Mike, are you off the whole weekend? He goes, oh, yeah, Dad, it's a holiday. You know, he does radio down here, Mike does, like like you guys up there. And so he said, yeah, we, yeah we, we are, we're off the whole weekend. It's holiday. And I said, man, I'm going back to work tomorrow. And I'm working Saturday, and I'm working Sunday, and I'm going to keep on working, you know. And uh, and I, I swear on Friday the 3rd, I was like a kid on the first day of school. I was so excited just to, you know, to go to Globe Life Field and, and continue to get the lay of the land there and, and to basically just watch men play baseball on a field, you know, which is the, the career we're in, man. It was great. The aerial views of that thing kind of make it look like some sort of wholesale super center. Uh, what does it look as bad in person as some of those aerial photos? Yeah, not at all. And I feel bad. You know, the Rangers had a bad week in that regard, you know, with the people and people were uh, somebody photoshopped it and made it look like a gas grill, you know. And I mean, uh, it, it, it doesn't look the drone shots don't look particularly great. But I tell you, man. As you drive up to it and, you know, you have the perspective of Texas Live being right there, Jerry World's in the background, you know, the the landscaping and all that is visible when you're driving up to it on the ground, and, and all of that is beautiful. And, and then I will say, too, once you're inside, it's a gorgeous park, man. It really is. It doesn't have, you know, many of the character elements that um, Globe Life Park did, but it is just really good looking and the sight lines are fantastic and you feel like you're right on top of the action and, and I'm so hopeful. I'm, I know the Rangers are not going to have fans, allow fans at their first homestand. Um, they're hopeful that in August the governor here releases restrictions and they're allowed to have fans um, you know, starting in August because I'll be anxious not only to see uh, how it plays with fans but how much fans enjoy it. Are, are what's your pulse on the players and and just kind of how they felt like everything went down as far as the delay and then the negotiations to restart because for me it just kind of felt like baseball as a whole just missed a giant opportunity to get a spotlight that it's probably never going to have again and it, it just seems so short-sighted in terms of financially you know the financial implications of just 2020 and not what it could potentially mean for growing the game in years to come without any other competition uh do, do is there a sense that in baseball that they missed that opportunity or how do they see it i don't think the players see it that way at all and in fact i think that the players are um in, in general they were like we were oh for god's sake get this done you know like most of the guys I've talked to, they they were not 
you know, uh, necessarily on board with this, you know, back and forth and all that stuff that was going on. They were just like, it doesn't matter. Just get us on the field. We just want to play, you know. And they're so um, dedicated to that, uh, to keeping it, you know, you know, making sure we're able to have even this shortened season that, like, um, Rugnet Odor wore his mask in, in a Zoom interview today. And we asked him, we're like, Rugi, you know, uh, you're the only one in that room. You're okay. He goes, I wear my mask everywhere but on the field everywhere he goes i want to stay healthy i want to keep everybody else healthy i want to make sure we can play this season short as it is that's what most of the players wanted was just to play a season and it did look bad the optics were horrible because it just looked like every single player out there was just on this money grab and look the players union was doing what it has done well for all these years and that is trying to look out for its constituents, right, the players. Um, And the owners were doing what they've done fairly well for all these years, and that's figure out a way to hold on to more of their money. And, man, it looked terrible. I don't think the rank and file were nearly as um, dedicated to the cause, if you will, as the leadership in the Major League Baseball Players Association was. I heard uh, Buster Olney this morning report that even if there are no fans at games, Major League Baseball will not lift its blackout policy for streaming local teams, which is mind-blowing to me. That's mind-boggling. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I can't even imagine that. How do you like? It's it's a sport that you and I love, and no matter what happens, you and I are going to continue to watch it. But right. in terms of trying to gain new generations of fans, it's like they just can't get out of their own way. Like, in whose mind is it a good idea to black out local teams on, on streaming services when no fans can even go to the stadium anyway? Like, how how does that yeah. make any sense in the world? None. None whatsoever. And, uh, and frankly, I mean, I say that knowing that that's good for Fox. Right. I mean, that means if people are watching it around here, they're watching it on Fox. So, you know, but I but I still am with you. It's I think it's very short sighted. And especially since so many of the younger fans don't even have a TV. Right. They're streaming it somewhere anyway. That's the only possible way they have to watch it. Exactly. So, yeah, very, very short sighted. And said I don't think that the rank and file had a huge uh, or were, were totally on board with everything that the union was doing that the leadership was doing I do believe that that whole thing was a precursor to some very ugly negotiations uh, after the 21 season I mean I think when that contract expires after 21 um, man, we could really be in for some uh, uh, you know I hope not but we could be in for a work stoppage because I think that set back any uh, positive feelings that may have existed for the last for this last contract or two between the players' association and the owners. Yeah, it's. I mean, thank God I'm a Rangers fan and I have Fox to watch Rangers games. But I mean, I, I can't watch the Astros. I can't watch what the Rockies and I think the Royals and Cardinals are both blacked out in in my area as well. So like. You know, I've, I've okay, bought... so you can you can stream the Rangers. 
No, I can't stream the Rangers. But I, I watch all you my can't. Rangers games on Fox. On Fox. So you can't stream any team where you are where there isn't a major league team? No, no, I can't I can't get Astros, Rangers, Royals, Cardinals, or Rockies, I believe. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And I yeah. like I buy that MLB package every year to be able to get all the games. And right. still, yeah, they're blacked out for that in t- for for that large of a space. And like I said, I'm That's a Rangers good. fan, so at least I have Fox to be able to to get my Rangers games. But, you know, if if I wanted to watch you know, six Astros get beaned in their in their season opener. Yeah. I can't stream yeah, it. exactly. Wow. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Very short-sighted on the part of Major League Baseball. And um, and they've actually, you know, with, um, with their whole, the Major League Baseball Network, which was kind of the first one of those and everything, they've been ahead of the curve on a lot of these, you know, ideas. And so it's really surprising to me. Uh, that they would be that short-sighted. Like you say, especially in a year when there aren't going to be any fans at the at the stadium, so there might not be all season. Look, give fans the opportunity to watch it in whatever way they can. So it's a short season. I've, I've heard a couple arguments in terms of what the competition is going to look like. I've heard the argument that any team, no matter how good or bad, can potentially put together a decent 60-game stretch and put themselves in contention. Uh, so you might have teams that maybe aren't as talented having an oppor- a real opportunity to make the postseason. At the same time, I think when you look at everybody understanding that that each game is weighted so much more, I, I don't think you're going to have as many throwaway games for good teams either. So I think that kind of balances out. How do you just see the landscape of everything with the condensed season? Yeah, I'll tell you this. I, I don't know that every team has a chance. You know, I grew up and my team, you know, growing up, is, you know, was and still is to a certain extent the Tigers. The Tigers got no chance, <laughs> okay. right? Maybe, maybe every team they're, but one. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're a terrible team. But I will say this. A lot, you know, I, I think if we had been set to play a 162-game season, um, not very many people would have thought, that the Rangers had much of a chance, understandably. That said, in a 60-game season, um, look, it's going to take the hitters a while to catch up to the pitchers. That's always the case. And the Rangers pitchers, I mean, that rotation is really good. You know, when you start with Lance Lynn and Mike Miner and then add in two times Cy Young Award winner Corey Kluber, um, you know, and so the, the, that's just a really good set. They got their five deep. They got a couple of guys that are backing them up, you know, that are that have major league experience. So, a team like the Rangers, I think, um, could be a team that would, because of the short season, fall into contention. Right? They might have a chance of doing that, um, and and that would be really cool. Uh, but I, yes, I think that um, uh, there's there's a lot more teams who have the opportunity to do something in a shorter season. Than, than would have in the marathon of a 162-game season. With the expanded roster, are there are there any players that you've kind of highlighted that might get an opportunity and might might make the most of it? Yeah, I mean, Josh Young, the uh, the first-round pick from last year, the the uh, you know big hitter out of uh, Texas Tech, um, he has been here and looking good, not looking overwhelmed, and there, there, he wouldn't have had any reps maybe a September call-up this year, probably not even that. 
And uh, as it is, you know, he's probably going to be on the initial 30-game, 30-man roster, um, and then, or or at least the taxi squad, which basically makes it a 33-man roster. Now, when they, after two weeks, they trim it to 28. He may still be there. After a month, they trim it to 26. He won't be on the 26-man, but um, you know, a guy like that, and 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 they have super high hopes for this guy. And uh, you know, again, first round pick from last year in baseball. Although he did play college ball, so sometimes a collegiate player can make it to the big leagues quicker. But in baseball, you do not expect a guy who was just your first round pick last year to be flirting with the major leagues the very next season. There's just you know more development typically necessary. Uh, to get ready to play at the major league level. It seems like about a century ago that Willie Calhoun broke his jaw, but how's how's he doing? Yeah, he's doing well. Now, he says, you know, he admits to us that, look, there are, uh, you know, and, and th- there are some mental hurdles, big mental hurdles to get over. And, and the way to get over them, and this is what uh, the second spring training is for, his own pitchers um, are kind of going – you know, inside, high and inside, um, and, you know, basically just making sure he can withstand that. Um, and it's especially from the left side. A right hand, a couple of righties have gone high and in on him too. But when a lefty goes high and in, it's harder for him to see it. And um, anyway, they've been doing that to sort of condition him to the fact that, of course, any lefty he's going to face, is going to try and do that. You're going to try to gain whatever advantage you can gain competitively as an athlete. And they all know he broke his jaw by being hit, you know, with a pitch in the jaw. So um, you've got a huge mental hurdle to get over. And uh, he is, but he admits he's not close to right yet when that when that pitch is coming near him. And he and he really hasn't been very good offensively yet this uh, this summer, but. Um, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to be great. Speaking of getting hit, are we still going to see teams go after the Astros? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I yes, I definitely think so because the players are, um, you know, I think even more angry about it than the um, fans are. But you know, with just some of the stuff we saw at the spring training games and the. Uh, the signs and the chants and the things that the fans were doing to the Astros. I, I hope so bad we get fans back so that they can join in on this party, you know, because, and a lot of stuff was so funny too, you know? And uh, so anyway, I, I, you know, I hope that I hope the fans are able to participate uh, in the, in the jeering and all that stuff that's bound to still go on if the fans are there. But no, I, I think there are enough for just like, you know that, that you guys have you cheated our game not just us not just the Dodgers you know not just the Yankees in the ALCS but you've cheated our game and they are not happy about it speaking of cheating did you watch the long gone summer documentary on ESPN yeah i um i you know i basically am kind of a purist so i um i like the um, I like the approach. Let's put it that way, and the and the uh, you know attitude of the thing. I mean, we were all captivated by it in 1998, and I you know I was I was still a kid, 
but I remember every single day, like going to get the newspaper to look at the box scores and things of that nature. Um, you know, if one, if one of those guys hit a home run on a day, like that's all anybody was talking about. And it seemed like they spent the entire documentary trying to polish the image of Sammy Sosa and Mark yeah. McGuire, as opposed to just telling the story of how awesome it was to follow that chase that year. Even, even though in, you know, the aftermath of it all, we know they cheated. It was a wild ride at the present time when it was happening. Yeah. And it, that one, and maybe why they were trying to polish the image, that one I think is a little bit different than the Astros in that, you know, there's the real bottom line. Everybody was cheating then. Right. And, and so everybody knew it. I mean, not, not everybody, but every team had a bunch of guys that were using the same products that Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire were using. Good for them. Um, they figured out a way to make the absolute most of them, especially during that summer. Um, but but that one was across the board. Everybody in baseball uh, every knew somebody who was doing the same thing. Whereas with the Astros, yes, everybody tries to steal signs, but nobody crosses that line, right? Nobody does it with their video equipment in real time as the Astros have done. So no I doubt. think that may be... That may be where, and I like both those guys, and I, I was working actually with the Rangers at the time of that, um, at that during that summer. And so I, uh, I appreciate, I remember, you know, where I was. I was actually doing a Rangers game um, when McGuire hit his. And uh, so anyway, I, um, I totally, I have a, a, an appreciation for them and, and frankly, you know, maybe a blind eye, right? Yeah. I mean, I have something of a blind eye toward um, what I know was going on, which um, I didn't know it was as rampant at the time. I really didn't. Um, it was that dirty little secret, man. And I have <laughs> good relationships with, I had good relationships with players, but even they weren't sharing with me how rampant the use was. And um, so anyway, I, I, was among many who had a blind eye then too. Unfortunately, if if we'd have, if we'd have said something sooner, or if we'd have known more, maybe it wouldn't have. You know that that steroid era wouldn't have lasted as long. Were the players on the Rangers as geeked as everybody else? Kind of following that throughout the summer and and keeping track of those guys being on that pace. Yeah, they were, and. Um, you know, Sammy Sosa, of course, with Rangers ties, that was uh, – and there were still a bunch of guys in the organization, you know, that came up with him and knew him. So there was – I remember there being a, a lot of people rooting for uh, Sosa in that, you know, in that uh, competition, that battle, if you will, you know. Um, but the, um, the the interest was absolutely there because um, a lot of them you – know, not all baseball players, but a lot of them are absolute fans, students of – the game and um and that was a cool a cool cool summer and a cool experience for the game i uh, i saw a tweet yesterday that said describe your least favorite sports moment as boring as possible do you want to play the game least favorite sports moment as boring as possible yep okay okay i'll give you mine you want me to, you want me to Okay. DH misplays fly ball in right field. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. 
All right. Still so hurts. I... Still hurts. Oh, of course it still hurts. Yeah. Home run hitter missed this fly ball. Yeah. Um, so that's, that, that's kind of my, uh, yeah, that's kind of my worst sports memory too. So I don't know, you know, I mean, um, I don't know. I would say something, I would say something boring about like literally one of the most exciting things that happened. So now let's try to say this boring was when Josh hit the home run in the 10th. Oh yeah. I couldn't believe it after what happened that Josh had just won this game for us. I, I mean, cause I just was sure then I'm like, okay, all right, it's all good. Right. And, um, and then, you know, it ended after they had tied it in the ninth. It, it, Josh hits the home run to give us the lead in the tenth. Are you kidding me? So, uh, but I don't know how to make that boring. But I see what you're, I get what you're saying. Yours is a good one. Yeah, that's a good way to say it in a boring way. That ha- that like, Hamilton home run could have been one of the. I mean, easily the greatest moment in Rangers history. If, if no doubt, if they and, seal and it, what one of the greatest in World Series history? Right, right. If they win the game and then, and obviously, then would have won the series, he would be in such, and he's in pretty good stead anyway. I mean, he's in the Rangers Hall of Fame. You know, he's a he's a guy who's really well thought of around the league still. Um, and I'm telling you, that would have, you know, maybe not vaulted him to the level of, you know, Reggie Jackson or that type of thing. But he would have been. You know, he'd, he'd have been up there, man. He'd have been up there as a clutch guy. And I, it's, it was unbelievable that that guy came up there and hit that home run as demoralized as that team felt that they even had to go into extra innings. Yeah. I, I swear, after that game ended, I gave them a 0% chance of winning the next game. I just, no part yeah. of me believed that, that they were going to have what it took to get it done. And, and, I mean, it just, it was so soul crushing. Yeah. I'm always such an optimist that I was like, you know, you know, I'm with Mark McLemore and I'm like, dude, they can win tomorrow. Though they're a better team. They're proof. They've proved it this whole series, right? They're a better team. And Mac, even Mac's like, they ain't winning, dude. (laughs) (laughs) And again, he's been in there and he knows, you know, he knows what, um, what that sort of demoralizing, loss can do to your psyche and right. he was just like yeah no they, they ain't winning and he was right you know I'm like you in that regard most of the time I'm super optimistic and I always try to see the positive but I think after that game you remember Randy Quaid's character in Major League 2 yeah. he's just like so pessimistic and he just you know they've they've screwed him over so many times that he just doesn't believe that they're capable of winning that's I didn't have the venom toward the Rangers that that he right. did with the Indians yeah. but like that was that was yeah. my feeling about going into that next game I'm like oh there's no way they're just they'll blow it it's not gonna happen yeah. they don't have what it takes yeah and and uh and clearly they didn't and it was just so much to overcome and and hell it's not even like they had a closer that day because Neffy was just freaking gone you know I mean he wasn't going to be able to do anything anyway uh so yeah it was just man it so was brutal. such a heartbreak yeah and you know we watched it the um Fox re- we replayed it during the pandemic and a lot of people around here watched it for the first time you know they hadn't watched it since I think I've actually watched it once or twice since then but um 
and it still hurts. You know, I mean, it's just so unbelievable. I saw people tweeting that it was on, but I had zero urge to turn it on. Yeah, it's uh, it didn't feel any better. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I think actually that day I I found Nolan Ryan's no hitter against the A's on ESPN Plus, and I watched that instead. So that was a great game too. I I uh, I actually got a call in about the fourth inning or fifth inning of that game. I was at the NBC affiliate in Dallas at the time, and uh, I got a call from the news director or the assignment manager, whatever it was, and they said, "Hey, we're going to put you on a plane to um to Oakland, San Francisco," and I'm like. They're like, yeah, Nolan's throwing a no-hitter. We just think that we need to be there. We're going to have you there to do morning live shots and all that stuff, right? So I take a red eye to freaking California, get there. Nolan, I missed the end. Nolan, you know, completed the no-hitter. And then by the time I got over to the uh, over to the ballpark and everything, they had a day game the next day, um, and they didn't get there. Anyway, because of the time difference and everything, I'm doing live shots with Nolan on the noon newscast. Um, and I was just like, and this is my first summer working in Dallas. I'd come from Flint, Michigan, and I was just like, holy crap, I'm in the big time, man. They put me on a red eye, and Nolan hadn't even completed the no-hitter yet. And uh, and the truth is, nowadays, they would not do that in, in local news, but uh, they did then, man. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I know you got to run. I know you got Rangers stuff, but uh, I, I certainly appreciate it, and uh, I hope we can catch up again soon. You're a uh, you're a good friend, and, and always fun to talk to. Anytime, Colby. It's great, and I'm glad, uh, very proud of you for landing on your feet. I knew you would, and uh, and keep up the good work on the podcast. Appreciate it, my friend. Take care. All right, I'll talk to you soon. That was John Radigan, Fox Sports Southwest, joining us on the Colby Daniels podcast. As always, I really appreciate you guys checking out the podcast. If you haven't already done so, I beg you, please, 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 subscribe to the podcast and rate the podcast. I really appreciate it. Like, seriously. Like, really. Yeah, I do. Seriously. So, yeah. Don't forget, you can hit me up on Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels. If you hear anything in the discussions that you want to talk about or if there are topics that you want to hear me talk about send me a tweet I'm, I uh, love hearing from you guys and I'm certainly open to suggestions you can also find me on Instagram Colby.Daniels so Twitter is Colby underscore Daniels Instagram is Colby.Daniels it would be great if whoever has the underscore Daniels on uh, Instagram would give me that handle and then but you know that's too much to ask anyway so subscribe, rate, tell your friends about the podcast. And once again, big shout out to uh, John Radigan for hanging out with me this afternoon. This is Colby Daniels and the Colby Daniels podcast. Everyone have a great day. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you next time.